0: I'm John Perry. I'm Ted Cupper. And this is Constellation, making the graphic novel. Join us
1: as we build an original science fiction world. Okay, welcome back, everybody. How are you doing, John? Uh,
0: Very good. I'm good today. I got got my pages done.
1: Nice. Well, it's uh, exciting to be recording this one uh, in the same room, uh, as we don't often get to do these days, so... Um, that's, uh, cool for me. And
0: even though you have your back to me, so that's, that's right. a little weird. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> the true. way the studio is set up here. Uh,
1: uh, well, it's not set up for, uh, for us to do this, uh, in a pair anymore. Um, but I guess uh, it was
0: my fault for not printing the pages like I, he, a proper script reading.
1: Oh yeah. I guess I could have done that too, but, uh, I'll just read them off of the screen here and pretend that you are um, on the zoom. So, um, all right, let's, uh, set the scene a little bit. Where are we at in the story for those who have forgotten? So
0: the pages that you did just ended on, uh, Tim blackmailing Zoya saying, you know, you've got, uh, three months to figure out how to get me into this, club uh, or make some progress on that front or else I'm gonna gonna blow your cover right I'm gonna let people know that uh, you're the person that leaked the the address to me right, right. Um, so that's where I picked up um, I so here's the thing I, I was looking at uh, having to write like a bunch of things that were sort of implied montage sequences and things and you know, we haven't been using voiceover, but I just said screw it. It just felt like the natural thing to do, so I just I just started giving Tim voiceover, which is not something we've done in the
1: script up at okay, this point. Okay. Okay, yeah. But we have um, talked about it. So that's not out of the blue. No,
0: we've talked about it and I think <laughs> it's in the spirit of like always moving forward, like all of a sudden now he has voiceover whereas he didn't earlier in the script and obviously long-term we'll make a choice one way or another that's consistent. It wouldn't make sense to I think Introduced voiceover for the first time here in a finished script, but um, I thought I'd just give it a try, and uh, not surprisingly, it it made things a lot more efficient because I blasted right. through yeah, like it
1: often Yeah, <laughs> I blasted through
0: like three beats in about seven pages. So, um, given that things have been running long, uh, that may tell us that that voiceover is uh, maybe a good idea, actually.
1: Yeah. Um, well, I've always been open to the idea that we should use it but it's not clear i guess yeah what to use it for um but i'm excited to see how you tried it out so that that sounds like a good thing to try and yeah obviously as we go forward we'll either add it elsewhere or delete it from everywhere or something yeah
0: and it's very first drafty you know like we don't really have a very defined voice for tim you know i tried to you know uh, not have him like literally repeating things you could see, obviously, like sort of voiceover writing one on one. But I mean, it's I I think uh you know if we do go for it, I think we'll want to make it uh it have a distinctive voice eventually. But so this isn't quite that, but it, it'll it'll get the job done. Hopefully, got it, got it. Um, so uh, you're gonna read uh Tim, okay. Um, again, with the voiceover and everything, he's the main person talking in most of this. Uh, and I'll just read everything
1: else. Okay. Sounds good. So you'll care, cover the narration and, uh, and all the other characters. That's right.
0: Um, and I'll call out those other characters, uh, by name as they come in. Got so, it. uh, yeah, whenever you're ready. So yet. I guess
1: I won't bother with that and I'll just be Tim. So if you hear my voice, you'll know it's Tim. All right, cool. Uh, let's jump in.
0: All right. So jumping on page 46, uh, Tim lies in a hammock looking up at the camera. Uh, Actually, there's no camera in comics, so what do we say here? I don't know. (laughs) Looking up at us? us. Looking
1: at, I don't know. Yeah, let's let's
0: just change that. We're off to a rocky start here. Okay. (laughs) Tim lies in a hammock looking up at us. We can see in the background behind him that he's extremely high up in the trees of a lush
1: tropical forest. Zoya waited until the day before the deadline before finally getting back to me.
0: From Tim's point of view, uh, we see a tropical bird hovering above his hammock holding a dangling scroll. The text on the scroll says, quote, meet me at Immerologia from Zoya. Next, we're in a grand library, and we see Tim and Zoya making their way down a path that runs in between row after row of research stations occupied by people at terminals. A big portrait on the wall behind them features the Hall family.
1: I've been to Emerilogia hundreds of times, but never with VIP privileges.
0: In the next panel, Zoya is in the process of walking straight through one of the bookshelves, her body half in and half out. Tim follows behind. Uh, Then they walk alone through a candlelit private library, and we see Tim running his fingers along some of the books on the wall as he passes through.
1: Part of me wanted to stay and browse, but I knew any addresses I'd find in the premium section would pale in comparison to what I'd have access to, as a member of Altaf.
0: Next page. Tim and Zoya enter a private conference room with big picture windows that look out on a gorgeous ocean view. Tim eyes a pitcher of water sitting on the conference table. Zoya says, We can talk here. Trying
1: to make me feel at home, huh?
0: Zoya addresses Tim, businesslike. Meanwhile, Tim pours himself a glass of water. Zoya says, There's a way I can get you in, but it's going to require some work on your part. Of course. You need to submit a tip. The address of a world no one's heard of. Something to prove that you're serious and actually have something to contribute should they make you a member.
1: Piece of cake.
0: Tim drains the water glass. Zoya looks confused. She says, what is that? Some zero gen expression? Close on Tim looking confident.
1: It means it's no problem. This will be easy for me.
0: On the next page... We see Tim showing Zoya a world full of giant pyramid-sized mountains of fruit. A lone chimpanzee lies passed out dozing on top of one of the piles of fruit. Zoya looks unimpressed by this scene.
1: But it wasn't.
0: Uh, On the next panel, we see the vague forms of Tim and Zoya made out of molten lava. They are in the process of erupting from a great volcano, while several humanoid creatures made of rock look on from the sidelines and wave flags in celebration.
1: World after world I showed her was rejected.
0: In the next panel, we see yet another world where Tim and Zoya are toddlers standing on a giant blacktop. There's chalk markings all over the ground that delineate a hopelessly complex game board, something like a combination of giant hopscotch and foursquare, as if designed by an amphetamine addled math genius. Other toddlers hop from square to square or toss giant balls at each other. Zoya again looks unimpressed
1: by what she's seeing. She dismissed anything she could find in the Emerologia database.
0: In the next panel, Tim and Zoya swim through a psychedelic rainbow sea, breathing in through gill slits in their necks.
1: And even some things she couldn't.
0: On the next page, we see Tim sitting on the couch of the modernist living room of his home world, which we've seen earlier, and he's looking frustrated and lost in thought. In the forward round, we see a smashed water glass that's leaking water.
1: I was at a total loss.
0: Next, Tim stands on the Serengeti of someone's original, unchanged homeworld. He looks on disgusted as the world's wild-eyed, ungroomed owner has sex with a pig.
1: (laughs) Okay, we're going to show that. Uh, I even resorted to cold-calling random homeworlds.
0: In the next panel, we see a party on Mechania. People fill up goblets from a fountain of purple liquid. Tim talks to the moderator. This is a character we introduced back on page 32 who is running the uh, workshop um, for for people learning how to make worlds.
1: And then I got just the inspiration I needed. And the
0: moderator is saying to Tim mid-conversation, that's when I realized that if I wanted to experience something that wouldn't bore me to death, I'd have to build it myself. Then we see in the next panel a tighter shot on Tim getting an idea. In the background, we can see someone keeling over into the fountain while people look on and laugh. We can see that the moderator is continuing to talk to Tim, but there's no word balloon as Tim has begun tuning it out, lost in thought. Next page, uh, we see a close-up of Tim's finger magically painting some script letters onto a sign. We can just make out the word strangest. Then in the next panel we see a zoomed out shot of Tim clearly in Agoria's bazaar. The bazaar is filled with tents offering various wares and one tent stands in the foreground featuring the sign that Tim has just now completed which says in writing, quote, "Make your strangest dreams come true. Discretion
1: guaranteed." Good world engineers are hard to come by. In the
0: next panel we see Tim sitting cross-legged inside the tent, waiting intently.
1: I knew the bait was good, but it wasn't just any prey I was looking for.
0: In the next panel, a classic-looking fantasy wizard gestures and speaks effusively to us. The wizard says, What I want is a magic system that is rune-based, but also draws on mana from the surrounding biomes. Then in the next panel, we see uh, a different potential client, a beautiful lady with enormous earrings rambling on about her personal project. And she says, Why should I have to visit my dog's homeworld every time I want to see him? Surely there's a way to get admin control. And in the next panel, we see yet a different potential client, a nude defaultist, talking solemnly about his faith, saying, I saw your sign and I just had to warn you. The constellation can only have one creator. Those who stray from the default stray from God. And finally, in the last panel on the page, we see Tim looking bored and irritated as he listens to these various pitches.
1: But in the end, persistence paid off.
0: On the next page, we see James Applewhite, a silver-haired, handsome gentleman in a purple robe, speaking and looking slightly nervous. Applewhite says, your sign mentions discretion. Tim looks somewhat bored, not yet having realized that this is the client he's been looking for. That's right. Applewhite leans in towards Tim conspiratorially. I happen to be the admin of a world where some of the residents have never, well, I should say they don't actually know that other worlds exist. Tim perks up at this. Oh? You see, it's quite a delicate little community, and I've been running it just fine myself for decades with no problems at all. But over time, I've started to realize that there's just some things... Well, I just can't find the, the words to build certain things, if you know what I mean. Tim goes into salesman mode.
1: Of course. Not everyone knows the finer points of instructing the exec. You need an expert.
0: I suppose. And you're an expert?
1: Indeed. I even went to school for world design.
0: I should have guessed there'd be schools for that. I don't leave my world very often, so I'm not up to date on all the latest things. On the next page, Tim fishes for further information and continues talking.
1: Now, these people in your world, they have their own homeworlds, obviously, so they must have been to at least one other world?
0: Applewhite looks uncomfortable with this question. I guess that is tactically true, but you see, I recruited them directly from their homeworld back in the early days, so their experience is still rather limited.
1: Recruited? For what?
0: Applewhite starts to shut down and Tim tries to coax him back. Applewhite says, I'd rather not answer any more questions if you don't mind, unless you think you can help me?
1: Of course, say no more. I'll take your job. You just tell me what you need me to build.
0: We see a more zoomed out shot of Applewhite reviewing a contract to sign.
1: I couldn't believe my luck. An unspoiled world with a suitably naive admin. It took almost no negotiating to secure the portal rights as part of my work contract.
0: We see a close on Applewhite actually signing the contract.
1: But I wasn't prepared for just how disturbing the actual job would be. And that's it. So yeah, I think those are good drafty pages. They, they sketch out the scenes properly. And uh, I can understand why you went with voiceover there. And I think that's a good instinct. Um, I feel like the Applewhite scene, you know, it's a, it's a first crack at it. And I think in the, in the next passes on that scene, we should try to make him, I think, cagier, but also weirder. Like, I I think, you know, just on a practical level, I think I want him to be less forthcoming with, um, with the information. I just like, I recruited them off their homeworld. Sounds a little... Like I, he saved them from, you know, he's a religious leader. He has some crazy idea about what he did, and it should be a little bit more vague, and it should take Tim, I think, a little bit more to figure it out.
0: Well, the thing is, does, uh, we don't know the details of his world yet, so it'll be easier, I think, to write after that. But also, yeah, yeah. also, yeah, we right. don't. I don't know that he believes his own. You know, he he could be a grifter. He doesn't necessarily believe his own nonsense.
1: Well, I mean, that could be the quirk. I mean, he could be somebody who really aggressively does not believe his own nonsense, right? Um, that's something we could consider. I'm not opposed to that necessarily, but I I think whether, I think it just needs a stronger, weirder choice. Sure. Um, yeah, um, I don't disagree and, with that. And, and I think you know whether it's yeah, it could be like oh, you won't believe it. I suckered all these people, and like he's like very extreme about it. Or he's, I I would just think even if that was his personality, he'd be cagier than that with this guy. So maybe he'd be more sort of like forcing him to sign some sort of, you know, non-disclosure agreement or trying to like get him to agree to some secrecy thing before showing him the the beans. Yeah, that's fair. Um, Or maybe it's just that he's being cagey and, my, my first instinct was more like he's being cagey and religious about it and sort of describing it in abstract terms and it's up to Tim to suss it out so he's asking like more pointed questions like oh so how many of your people normally leave in a year or like you know kind of like trying to figure and he's like well not many and like you know right, right. and it's like well not how many And like none you know so I, I think you know maybe it just takes a little bit more pulling of teeth and um well, I do think it the can structure be of longer. the scene is there i think yeah and i understand that once he hears the thing he wants to hear that's like oh no one from the outside has really ever been to this world. Mm -hmm. That's the main thing that he has to figure out. And then he's like, yes, I'm your man. Right. Right. Um, And then he kind of goes into, like you said, salesman mode. So I think the structure of the scene is there. I think just maybe the specifics of it, as we, as you said, as you, uh, as we define what the Applewhite world is, um, we can go back and fix that up a little bit. But otherwise I thought this was, um, yeah, it's all made a lot of sense. And I liked that, we're in his head and I think we should um, we should continue to go for it as if we're gonna do that. And then we can look at the you know. I think I think it's good for us to to try writing it with the voiceover. Um, and then yeah, we can always go back and and figure out what is the like stance of the voiceover you know who's he talking to what's he trying to convince them and edit it so that it doesn't do anything that sits outside that but um but i think it's good to to try it so i think that's cool Um, yeah i
0: do think the apple white scene um uh to accomplish all the things you're saying just i'm going back to that for a second could be longer i mean it could be a really like a featured scene if we if we if we think the negotiation or the the process of of drawing him out or like sort of the mystery of who this guy is is suitably interesting i think right, it, right, right. i think a, a full additional two pages or something might even be in order so i um but yeah it's it's uh i guess there's i think once we have seen the whole arc of apple white's like storyline it will be easier to go back and make it make it weirder yeah um, yeah i agree with that but uh, but yeah, I think uh, I'm glad you're on board with the voiceover. I just think it's just gonna, you know, uh, not not. I I would still be open to not doing it, but I think it's just gonna, um, it's gonna make th- things so. It's gonna allow us to convey so much more e- information, so much more efficiently. And we really do have a challenge with this book, I think. Of uh
1: oh yeah, of it getting long. Yeah, no, I think we should use it and. Um, if we turn out, we don't want like a pure monologue voiceover, we can figure out a way to make it overlapping conversations or something that's not technically a voiceover, but being used as a voiceover, you know, or like just a motivated voiceover, I guess is the term. Um, if we find that that works better, but I think trying to just sketch it out and seeing like, where would we use it and what would it be used for first without those rules might actually be more effective. And then we can sort of retrofit the rule to be whatever the closest thing is to what we already did and you know um clean it up from there. Uh so yeah, I I'm in favor of that for sure. Um something I wanted to mention as a sort of media club thing. I think I mentioned to you offline that I started reading uh Yodorowski's Ink Hall recently. Sure, okay. Which is a weird book and one that I recommend uh to our listeners if they haven't read it. Um, but um not super directly relatable to what we're doing because it's sort of in a different genre but it is science fiction and uh one element of it that i noticed is um so the incalls are these um mysterious objects of great power mm-hmm. you know like glowing crystals or something that you know they're sort of a tropey thing um
0: it's a, it's a mcguffin-y thing yeah, for yeah, yeah, sure. yeah
1: everybody's trying to get it it's it's like a crystal orb or an infinity stone or something like this you see these kind of things in comic book stuff a lot and uh when the main character gets one um it starts to talk to him right Mm -hmm. and uh it talks to him through a device that is like a certain shape of box basically Mm -hmm. Uh, and maybe a slightly different font or like lettering look Hmm. Um, from it's been a long time since I've read the, the comic, so yeah, I, kinda, I don't even remember I guess I if remember it is that. a different literary rel- look, or not. They, but huh. it's it, it might be slightly different, like just very slightly, like just a slightly different size or something. Um, and that creates a sort of visual language very quickly of this sort of um, internal voice that's coming to him from the uh, magical object. And I, I, I it occurred to me that oh, that's not that different from the way the exec works in our world. So, that's something that we could consider, you know, as we as we figure out how to ro- visually represent the interactions with the exec, one option is that it can sort of just be speaking dialogue in just a slightly sort of delineated way. Um, so, that's something that I noticed. Yeah. That, that we could consider.
0: And it wasn't something that really came up in these pages. I mean, I guess if we had him getting into you know real contract negotiations with apple it could be there but but yeah i mean i think it's right something... or you can
1: see a contrast between the way he addresses the exec and apple yeah. does if there's some meaningful contrast to make there
0: it's something that i think needs to be you know pretty well established maybe slowly in the beginning of the script like with it like you said a distinctive visual language um and then i think we can probably excise most of the exact conversations that are happening off screen from that point on. But I do think we need to like very clearly dramatize it at some point. Like, early right. On. Right.
1: Maybe in that very first scene when he's designing, he's putting the finishing touches on the world. Yeah. That's like a, an obvious opportunity to interact with the exact. And, uh, yeah, I think we can, we'll, we'll, we'll address that when we do our first rewrite. But I think that's, uh, something to think about as we move forward. Cause I do think we need, to make a decision about how we're going to uh, portray that, whether it's going to be text in a box or whether it's going to be captions or whether it's going to be something else Um, like sort of, you know, boxless text, like the voiceover in saga or, I don't know, there's different options that we could try. I like when we can sort of jump all around the constellation and show the, the teleportation aspect of it. I think that that's fun. Yeah. It was fun to be able to just like in those montages,
0: just have a different, world in every panel right literally. right right
1: and uh, I think, yeah we have that ability and hopefully we can use things like color or whatever to really differentiate those so that yeah. we don't have to say and meanwhile on mechanic or whatever although we can do that too if we end up needing to um it's not out of the question
0: all right so onward, onward. uh you're up next it's, yeah oh do we
1: want to say what i'm doing because i actually don't know
0: uh well you've got to figure out i left for you to figure out what the hell is going on with apple white Oh, great. (laughs) Um, So, I mean, we could just leave it at that, right? I mean...
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the next few beats are going to be basically Tim going to make this world and discovering just what Applewhite has in store for him, right?
0: And it has to be awful, and yet uh, Tim does it anyways. All right. Well, thanks for sticking with us, and uh, we'll see you next time.
1: We'll see you guys soon. This has been Constellation, Making the Graphic Novel. Our theme song is Pomona by Audios. To subscribe to this podcast, look us up on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher application. You can find us on Twitter or on the web at constellationpodcast.com. Thanks for listening.